Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Oh, oh so good. <laughs> ah, today is Friday. It's Friday! <laughs> uh, and it is the 22nd of January. I think that's correct. Yes, it's Isabel's birthday. Um, my, my cat Isabella is 15 today, so we are keeping track of those things. And yeah, so end of a good week. Very excited to see uh, government occurring in the U.S. That's always a positive. Uh, yeah, it's a good day. I did finish the revision of Dark Wizard yesterday, also cause for celebration. So that is um, off to a couple more, I don't know, what are they? Gamma readers? Beta readers? Uh, definitely uh, the final, one of the final phases get their input on the story, any missed opportunities, that sort of thing. But otherwise, it should be well on schedule for it to be uh, out on the 25th of February. So that's nice. Um, and I, today I'm going to devote to business, working on businessy things, catching up on stuff. I do have a SEFWA board meeting this morning, which will probably take a couple hours, as it always does. And... We're working on the budget for 2021. So we are, uh, but I don't think we have any other big things to go through. Government happening on our microcosm as well. So yeah, I'm just going to use today to catch up on things and start drafting the next book on Monday. That will be The Sorceress Queen and the Pirate Rogue, which people are already pre-ordering. So that's nice. And I got a uh, a really lovely review already, and I'll probably tag it in the show notes just because I really like this review of The Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince, which comes out Monday. Uh, it was interesting because she mentioned that she really loved this one scene uh, between Aster and Ryan, where Aster... Uh, kind of calls Ryan out on his behavior towards Selena. And she noted that um, she said it was her favorite scene and that she didn't think that she had ever seen or ever read a scene between two men like that, where one discusses like how the other guy is behaving towards a woman and that she really liked it for that reason. And it was funny because... I really hadn't expected that scene to occur. You know, I'm a, I'm a gardener. I write for, for discovery and sometimes things just pop up as they do. Uh, and that was something that kind of popped up. I didn't expect that conversation to happen. And I nearly, I nearly took it out. I nearly deleted it. And there is a school of thought among writers where they say, um, if it occurs to you to delete something, then you should. And 
I don't think that's necessarily good advice because, well, first of all, I don't know about other writers, but it occurs to me to delete things all the time. I mean, I it occurs to me to delete most everything. And then there's sometimes things that are uncomfortable or risks we consider deleting because we think, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. And I don't think that this scene is necessarily that, but I did wonder, is this really driving the plot forward? Because there are authors who talk, um, I don't intensively, you know, they work very hard on the whole, you know, like every scene must have a goal and every scene must address the character's internal conflict and their external conflict and I know writers who revise this way and talk about it. Um, Leslie Penelope is very analytical about how she does that. She'll go through every scene and look to see what is, what is the goal and the motivation and the conflict in this scene. And I don't do that <laughs> by any stretch. Um, and she very kindly will say that I am an intuitive writer as opposed to being very analytical like she is. And granted, I am a very intuitive writer. And so a scene like that, I don't think that, you know, if we consider that book to be mainly the uh, the story of Aster and Zeph, but so so really that scene doesn't move their story forward. It does lay groundwork for Ryan and Lena's relationship. But it's, um, I don't know, I think sometimes, I, maybe that's just part of being an intuitive writer, that, that things come into the story that I don't know why they're there, except that it feels right. So, and it wasn't a very long scene, so I thought, eh doesn't hurt anything to leave it in there. So that's really gratifying to have her pick out that she uh, particularly loved that scene and thought it was unusual. And I thought, well, you know, that's true. Um, I don't know if there are many other scenes like that, maybe because we think that it's a little bit sideways of the story. Hard to say. So anyway, I am, uh, I was really pleased by her uh, review. She said a lot of really lovely things about the book and I will, I will link to it. And just in case you guys want to read lovely things about the book. Uh, so let's see what else. I want to tell you guys a story. Oh, I should do earrings before I go on. My mom's, I can hear her voice saying, what are you doing? So today's earrings are these little bears. They're kind of, um, they're neat because they're like a grizzly bear uh, seen bending over like into a, a creek. And there's a design, it's actually not showing up great on video either, of sort of like mountain ranges and rivers and a moon in the sky behind the bear. And then there's a little fish dangling off the bottom from the bear's snout as if the bear is catching the fish. And I love that about it. I'm, these were a pair of earrings that were my mom's. 
and I, I'm 90% sure. I, I think that actually my husband, David, bought these for her. I, and he might've bought them when we were up in Alaska or Vancouver Island, one of those places. And I think he gave them to her and I'm not sure she ever wore them much. I think she, they just didn't work for her. She doesn't like big gangly earrings as much as I do. But, and I don't often wear these earrings and I should, these are another pair that, um, definitely I should remember to drag out more. So, um, the story I want to tell you. So there's this author who, uh, and I'm not going to tell you her name, but she is writing and I'm trying to figure out how to tell this. <laughs> She's writing in a genre that I have several friends writing in and they have developed a very strong Facebook group of readers and this um, group of 13 authors put together this uh, Facebook group. They've put together um, a very distinctive subgenre, very um, intelligent marketing. I mean, they've really put this together, thought it through a um, bunch of really smart, smart marketers, smart writers, smart women. And, and they, and it's an amazing thing that they've put together and they're doing very well. So this woman who was not part of their original group kind of came to them and said, um, well, I'm writing in the same genre that you are. And I feel like I should be part of your group. And they let her post to their Facebook group, you know, advertise her books to their readers. And she got very pushy about it, saying that uh, she thought that nobody else should post on the same days that she was posting. And, and she also thought that she should be a permanent part of the group and, and inform them of such and inform them in terms of telling them that she, uh, that, <laughs> That, that she was outselling all but two of them. I was trying to decide if that's spoiling anything, but I don't think it is. So yeah, she's like combing Amazon. I could tell by the way she's doing things that she's using this very specific, because I went and looked up her website. I could tell how she's, um, you know, like going for her rankings, being a very aggressive self-publisher that way, trying to get... Um, making sure that she's her books hit number one in these sub 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 categories, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, in fact, it's a smart strategy, but it's, it's not the only strategy. And that's what I'm getting at now because I've been working on this too, you know, like working the keywords and the categories to uh, improve Amazon visibility and discovery. All authors really need to be able to do this, whether you are self-published or trad published. If you're trad published, you can't really control your categories and keywords. That's just, um, unless you can talk them into using them, talk your publisher into changing what they are. So, so yeah, there are ways to figure out and it's really, you're just, um, doing a calculation on the algorithm. There are there are programs, there are applications that you can use that you can buy to try to figure out how many copies someone is selling a day. So she's clearly done this. She went through like the 13 members of the group 
and figured out like where her books were in sales and said that she was outselling all but two of them and therefore she should be part of their group. So shall we, shall we guess children <laughs> how well this went over? We're thinking not well at all. No, they ended up banning her from the group because she was getting increasingly obnoxious. And, you know, so we, we often talk about like authors behaving badly or whatever. I'm not sure what she, where she thought she would get with this, except that when we talk about marketing and that kind of thing, making you crazy, this is what I'm talking about because this was crazy behavior. This was short-term thinking that only ended up making enemies for her. And not even just in this group, because like I know about it now. And if I encounter her, I would be like, oh, I'm not going near this woman. Uh, all she cares about is her own stuff. And there's nothing wrong with caring about your own stuff, but not if you are trying to bully other people in this fashion. It's, um, you know, I talk about in, in the Tao Te Ching, we talk about how the, uh, you know, racing and hunting madden the mind and that the, and in the Bible, we talk about, uh, there's the line, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. That's root of all evil. It's the love of money. And it's this kind of thing that both Lao Tzu and the, um, well, we'll just say the Bible, all the people who passed along that information, where that came from, it's chasing after that money can make you crazy and it makes you lose sight of all else. And that's what happened with this woman that, you know, like she's thinking, oh, that, you know, her, she's outselling all but two of the authors in this group. And therefore they must allow her to be part of the group and they must give her these things. They must make room for her so that she can market her books because that's all she can see. And, and it blinded her to the fact that she completely alienated all of these other authors because, you know, guess what? When you are friends with other authors or you are working in a collegial way with other authors, they, they care about their books too. <laughs> and they're not going to be pleased when to be told that you are outselling them and therefore you must, they must somehow, I don't know, bow down to you. I don't know what. So, so don't do that. You know, keep in mind, be a, be a human being when, you know, I often talk about, uh, networking that another word for networking is making friends, uh, treat people like they would be your friends, like you, uh, with respect and compassion and tolerance and, uh, that they love what they do too. So along these lines with the short-term thinking, uh, because clearly that's part of this. I mean, there's a lot of blindness there, but another kind of blindness in this short-term thinking. And I think I talked about this on the podcast before, but it, I came around to it again, that there is a person who is, and I won't say her name, although it's easy to find out who is 
doing this workshop on uh, teaching authors how to use, among other things, she's doing a lot of stuff, uh, how to use Goodreads as part of their launch platform, which is great. But one of her piece of, pieces of advice is that authors should review their own books. One can review their own books <clears throat> because then it puts their book into other people's timelines. And I know a lot of authors think that this is a great idea. The problem is, is it might work for that book, but the author begins to develop a reputation because there are many, many readers who will notice that an author has reviewed their own book and they do give that the side eye. And I think that people don't always realize this. And I came across this gal again the other day and I was noticing that, you know, she's she's got her own consulting company where she's teaching authors to do this stuff. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to think about where her priorities are. Her priorities are in this business, right? Her priorities are in teaching these workshops and making money off of these workshops. And, and I know a lot of people are, are sort of flocking to this idea because it's something new and it's something easy, something that concrete that they can do. And everybody's always, as I said early on, looking for ways to improve their discoverability. But someone who is teaching these things doesn't necessarily care about your long-term viability as an author or your reputation as an author. And these are tangling up in my head. These two things that are that have gone on recently with this gal trying to bully people into letting her be, to making her be part of their friendship group, um, Facebook group. You know, it's like, you have to be my friend. You have to be my colleague. You must accept me. And I will do these things and, and it will be okay. You will have to excuse me for all of these things. And that's not how human relationships work. And I feel like with the changeover in administrations, there's a lot of hopefulness. I did get to watch all the inauguration stuff last night, belatedly. And I loved the choice of music. I agree with all the people saying that they wanted the soundtrack from the inaugural celebration. I loved that there were so many songs of hope with the theme of the sun breaking out over and over in many different ways and lighting up the shade, uh, taking away the shade. I loved how the uh, young poet laureate uh, used that sort of double meaning in the poem that she recited for the inauguration. I, I can't think of her last name, Amanda, but you know, where she said the shade, you know, taking away the shade, lighting up the shade, something along those lines, meaning shade both as darkness, but also um, shade as being a way of, um, I'm trying to think of how to explain it, you know, like the, the swing use of shade as being a way of casting aspersions upon people, of, of knocking people down. So, so yeah, I think that um, I'm, I'm hopeful that this kind of behavior, which flourished under the previous administration, I feel like we can now not say his name, which is great. The previous unlamented administration, which allowed uh, all kinds of obnoxious 
behavior to flourish will now, um, that some of that will abate. And apparently they're, you know, just as an aside that like not having these people on Twitter anymore has made there there's, they're looking at statistics, you know, that, uh, that misinformation is down 73% and that, um, you know, people are just feeling better. It's a return to to true civility, not the kind of civility where we're supposed to stand back and allow people to behave as badly as, as they like. So it's more of a, you know, let's try to be, let's all try to be decent human beings. <laughs> Shockingly enough, let's, uh, let's be decent human beings and let's not put the love of money above behaving ethically. And on that note, I am going to remind you all that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. You all take care. Bye-bye.